It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, happy Tuesday night, everybody. It's on Texas Football's Tuesday live stream. Brought to you by Texas Electricity Ratings, and uh, we're excited to be with you, Aaron Hogan, along with T.J. Vogel and Rod Babers, and a lot to get to. Normally, this Tuesday night would be previewing next Wednesday's big window national signing period recruiting, Uh, but we know it's a new day, it's a new time, and college football hardly even a blip on the radar right now. Uh, (laughs) T.J., it's more, you've been covering the recruiting beat for a long time. Uh, I've been doing radio for 25 years in Austin and that first Wednesday in February always used to be, you know, mark your calendar. It's kind of like a holiday and be ready. Now it's uh, not much going on, but uh, it's about junior days and uh, other things. It's amazing how the the recruiting calendar has flipped uh, in the last couple of couple, three years. Yeah, 100 percent. It feels like this upcoming uh, signing day doesn't have any significance anymore, you know, and it will for a number of teams. But for Texas, it really doesn't. Uh, they were in position to be uh, in contention for a five-star wide receiver out of, out of Sarah Land, Alabama. That was uh, Ryan Williams. He obviously decided to stick with Alabama despite Nick Saban departing. But, you know, it was a pretty quiet second half of the signing uh, signing period for Texas. And I think right now uh, for the Texas staff specifically, it's a benefit to move on to the 25 class, get ready for the upcoming cycle, and as well as looking ahead towards 26. You know, we talked about 120-person junior day. Is Texas really going to be able to have that kind of jump towards the next cycles if they're still trying to fight and hold on to, uh, you know, a handful of guys in the current class? Probably not. So I, I, I credit the Texas staff for getting, you know, as many signatures as they could lined up uh, for the 24th class in December. They knocked it out. They got it all out of the way and they can look ahead and go forward to uh, the upcoming cycle. So, yeah, not a lot to celebrate this upcoming weekend, but but hey. Credit to Texas. They, they got the job done one way or another. Yeah, top five recruiting class again. 18 are already on campus along with the, you know, the eight portal additions that are here. So uh, a lot of new faces on the 40 acres as the winter workouts have begun. Some additions on the uh, coaching staff as, as far as on, you know, the Kenny Baker hire, which we'll talk about. Also some analysts that have been added, so we'll talk about that too. But to your point, CJ, it's, uh, you know, Sark, and we saw him out at Sarah Land, Alabama today with A.J. Milwee talking to K.J. Lacey. I mean, it's about next year. I mean, it's about really you know, the haze in the barn on this class along with the portal. There may be some additions, obviously, come spring when the portal opens again after spring practice for everybody. But, you know, this is about setting up the big class for the following year. And I think, you know, and we've heard from a lot of our, our recruiting experts, including yourself, that that win over Alabama, the trip to the Final Four, the Big 12 championship, the move to the SEC officially, all those things start to have real impact on the recruiting trail in 25 and 26 which it seems like this coaching staff are, are already out ahead of. 
Yeah, that snowball effect is real in recruiting. And when you can combine that with the on-field results and and now what we're seeing in the Senior Bowl as well, a, a couple former Longhorns really starting to play well and perform on the big stages ahead of this NFL draft. I mean, it, it, it's all, you know, full steam ahead for every for the Longhorns and just about every aspect of being a football program. And, you know, that's encouraging because, as you mentioned, I mean, we're talking about Texas – visiting just about every major program in the state of Texas a week ago. And now if you look across the country to see where, you know, the Texas staff is, it's it's certainly encouraging. Blake Gideon's down at Atlanta. Sarkeesian was out in uh, Sarah Land today talking with KJ Lacey, uh, out the, the current Texas 2025 commit. Uh, and there's just a lot going on. It's, it's really encouraging. Uh, Sarkeesian actually also got to meet with uh, the number uh, – Number six overall prospect in the 26 classification, uh, Anthony Jones out of Mobile. He's at St. Uh, Paul's uh, Christian Academy in, in Mobile. A lot to talk about. Uh, Tashard Choice also out of Mississippi today. So Texas is in the deep south very hard. And I want to talk about Tashard Choice a little bit more. He was seeing 2025 running back Akeelan Deer. And if you've not watched his tape just yet, we linked to it on the, the on Texas football website earlier this, this morning. That's a kid that looks like he's a national conversation for being the top running back in the country. You know, we've talked about Texas having kind of the pick of their litter with the short choice. Jordan Davidson's in that mix. Tiger Ryden on the in-state mix as well. Uh, Ricky Stewart out of Chapel Hill, who was on campus and earned an offer during the ju- junior day. Add a Keelan Deer to that, uh, that, that watch list for the 25 running backs. The short choice was able to see him in person. His tape is very impressive. And, uh, I mean, it's just another foothold for the Texas staff to walk into an out-of-state uh, you know, all SEC kind of conference area and say, we have a foothold here now. We're going to be here for a while. And, and they're doing a great job at it early on. Rod, it's pretty interesting. I mean, so much happening, but obviously, you know, three of the final four coaches have moved on. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Longhorns were a part of. Sark has stayed. Aggies have a new coach down at Texas A&M. Brian Kelly's in year two. Brett Venable's in year two. It's really amazing when you go back to the the announcement of Texas moving to the SEC. And, man, would they be ready? Where are they going to be? How can they catch up? And, uh, man, it seems like they have an opportunity to what CJ is saying, Rod. They're, they're in an advantage position because Nick Saban's no longer in the conference at Alabama. Kalen DeBoer is trying to get his footing, obviously, as fast as he can. Uh, LSU's got a coach in year two and or, yeah, year three now, going into year three, and, and Brian Kelly. But, you know, Oklahoma in transition, A&M big time in transition. This is a real opportunity for Texas to really get a stranglehold on the state of Texas for sure, but also start cherry picking great players from uh, the deep South and really all over the country. Yeah. I mean, uh, there is unprecedented turnover, right? At some of the blue blood football programs. And you haven't really seen that. The national champion just had their head coach leave for the NFL. And with that comes almost what seems like a, a, a power vacuum in a time where you have the landscape of college football changing drastically, right? 12 team playoff coming next season. Uh, A lot of the, uh, the realignment, uh, the consolidation, if you will, of college football happening next season. And so I'm with you. It almost feels like Texas in the catbird seat out of all those programs. You're talking about very few of them return to starting uh, quarterback, along with all the starting coordinators and the head coach as well. Texas returns a lot of that continuity. You know, Georgia's in that conversation too, right? Georgia, right now it seems like in the SEC that the only team that brings back as much continuity 
as Texas does in the SEC, because there's a lot of turnover. You talked about LSU. LSU's doing great right now, but they're going to lose the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. <laughs> Alabama just lost the GOAT, Nick Saban. Uh, Texas A&M, you talked about they're in transition. Texas is about to get, you know, supplant itself into that SEC ecosystem in a time where the ecosystem isn't as formidable as it once was. There's no doubt with Nick Saban leaving. And even as as competitive as it was last year with a guy like Jaden Daniels now out of the SEC, it looks like you know, it's going to be Quinn Ewers and he'll be in a conversation uh, you know, with Carson Beck to be the best quarterback, not only in that conference, but potentially the most seasoned veteran quarterback coming back uh, among any of the power conferences and the power schools. Uh, that is, and if, and if, and if, if Quinn, this is really kind of about Quinn to me too. I expect Sark to continue what he's done. Sark has been really consistent. And I do think Sark's still evolving as a coach, but he showed us a lot last season as a coach and how he is kind of ready to become uh, a championship level coach. And he's kind of, in my opinion, uh, reinvented himself too. But I've, his evolution while he's been on campus at Texas is undeniable. He has gotten better as a coach. But Quinn Ewers, he has also, we've seen him getting better. We need to take see both of those coaches, sorry, both of those entities, coach and player, take their game to the next level going to the SEC. And it's a prime time for it. And as you just pointed out, you know, you're seeing the benefits of the 2023 run in the 2025, 2026 recruiting Man, you hit another run here in 2024, and then you can start stacking those classes. All right. And, you know, we talked about Texas, you know, not being able to be negatively recruited against right now. It's hard to have a negative recruiting pitch against Texas. You you you, you book in two seasons like you had last season with another one, potentially winning the SEC, you know, making your way to the playoff. It, it, we, the brand has not been in that situation. They really—I don't know when the last time the brand has been in a situation where you've won, you know, back-to-back uh, conference championships. It's been a while. 2008, you, in 09, you came really close, and the brand was in a really good place then. Uh, but I—I I think that's if you're Texas, you know, that's where I think you could be again. And those were in the heydays, the prime, probably the prime, um, you know, days of the Texas brand. 0405, 08, 09. Yeah, well said. I mean, uh, it is amazing because, uh, you know, Kalen DeBoer now at Alabama, but Nick Saban gone. There'll be a natural slide. Uh, the other programs we mentioned, Sam Pittman not in a good place at Al- at Arkansas right now. He's making yeah. changes and trying to hang on. Uh, Billy Napier at Florida in the same spot. Georgia and Texas are in the power position, CJ. Now you got the word today out of Tennessee that the NCAA is coming after the volunteers for, you know, an NIL infraction. I mean, I know fans are like, well, what is illegal, what's not? Uh, we're hearing about maybe a, a – Prospect on a private jet, uh, maybe signing a contract with an NIL while he's still in high school. Uh, the, the NCAA is still trying to have some influence. I don't know how much how much power they have, but you know Tennessee could be in some hot water uh, along with Florida State for some recruiting violations that we're seeing. So again, it's a, it's a, it's an ever evolving you know landscape and ecosystem as Rod calls it. But uh, headed into the to the SEC officially in twenty in uh, J- July the first of twenty twenty four here. Uh, they'll officially enter that conference. It feels like they're in a pretty good place versus the competition uh, in that conference. Yeah, I would say so 100%. And I think you look at the SEC holistically right now and you think Texas is you know, right there with Georgia as not only the two most talented teams, but the two teams that are in best positions to continue winning on, in terms of what they have continuity-wise. You know, A&M's having a brand-new head coach they got to run into the, to the SEC with this year. Florida and Arkansas are sitting around wondering, you know, how did we uh, how do we keep this guy? How do we turn things around with their guy right now? Uh, LSU just lost a Heisman winner 
So, I mean, they're going to be fixing a couple things. Nick Saban's gone from Alabama. Uh, you can look around and say Missouri's on the right track. Uh, Ole Miss is on the right track. Oklahoma even, I would say, is you know kind of on that right path, but they have a brand-new quarterback and a brand-new offensive line they have to break in, whereas Texas is returning those pieces. So I, I, I look at this first year in the SEC as a way for Texas to make a, a, a continual splash of the – the jump that they made it they made in 2023 onto the national scale, you know that 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 cannonball, if you will, soon enough that splash will will wear out. Well, right now it looks like they're about to to jackknife back back into the pool and get a uh, you know a, a resplash of everybody else across the country because it's 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 lining up very well for them right now. And I think a lot of programs in which they thought could compete with Texas right away as they entered the SEC are now looking around thinking, well, you know what? We didn't make the college football playoff last year. You know, we don't have the uh, the continuation of our our coach locked up for five or six more years. We sure as hell don't have a Quinn Ewers returning for year three. And our mm-hmm. offensive line probably isn't looking as dominant what as what we're expecting to be in, in Austin. So there's a lot of optimistic, you know, reasons to be sitting back and looking at Texas right now thinking, yeah, they're entering the SEC, but they're as well suited as just about any walk in and say, hey, we we belong here and we're going to compete at a very high level. Yeah, and keep the recruiting rolling. Uh, and that part of that is the coaching staff, Rod. They lost Jeff Choate, uh, linebacker's coach, to take over the head job at Nevada. Uh, he took uh, one of the analysts, and uh, but you replaced him with Johnny Nansen from Arizona, who was their defensive coordinator. He takes his, you know, essentially a position demotion to come to Texas and reunite with Steve Sarkeesian. And now the defensive line coach has been hired. It's Kenny Baker uh, from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, 11 years is as long as he's coached, but man, a fast riser who's already ended up in the NFL. You've talked about how rare that is to, in a short amount of time, to essentially go from, um, you know, the, co- the the low college level into the NFL in about a six-year period. Pretty impressive. And now he's already on the recruiting trail, Rod. We've seen him. It was officially announced today by the university. We kind of knew about it late late last week, but formalities and contracts and all that. Uh, the university, you know, the program put out a statement today about 9:30 that Kenny Baker has been hired and he's already been seen in a high school down in uh, Cyprus at Cy Fair, seeing Landon Rink, the recruit uh, from Cyprus Fairbanks. And so he's already on the trail, which is a good sign that the uh, D line coach is already hitting the high schools. Oh yeah. I'm not surprised by that. And and, and, uh, CJ, you actually have a nice little nugget about this. I was talking to CJ before the show about this and you actually got some insider info on his uh, trip to H town, correct? Yeah, I, I chatted a little bit with Landon right after he sat there and got to meet Coach Baker for the first time. And, I mean, he straight up told me, he's like, I, I, I like the guy a lot. You know, he he comes with a lot of energy, and you see that passion. I think we are going to see a little bit of what Tashard Choice brings to the offensive side of the ball in terms of being a guy that you can talk to and hang out with and, and really just be able to connect with from a positional coach perspective. Choice walks into a room and lights it up, and I think you're going to see a little bit like that uh, with Coach Baker as well. Uh, uh, Landon Rink had really high remarks to 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 say about Coach Baker. You know, he again, the energy is what was one of the number one things that stood out to him in regards to that you know brief kind of talking uh, time that they had this afternoon. So if if, if you're going to bring energy and have a, that enthusiasm on the recruiting trail, good things are going to follow, which then makes your life easier on the field. So I'm excited about it. Uh, really good early remarks from, from uh, Coach Baker on on the recruiting trail. Yeah, and already hitting yeah. it, and uh, that was a big priority rod for Sark when it was you had to hire the coach, right? You want someone with energy, the one who wants to hit that recruiting trail with passion, because as you say, it's not for everybody, and it's not a knock no. against anybody that doesn't want to do it, but it's 
it's a full-time commitment. It's like somebody like CJ or any of these recruiting insiders. I mean, it's a lot of work to travel around and make the phone calls. And yep. uh, obviously it's more than that, even for a coach. And, and you also have to coach your position and do all the other things a, a full-time you know, position coach does. You want someone that, that does that with, with full energy and full vigor. Yeah, I mean, if you enjoy it, right, it's not work to you. I mean, uh, you know, CJ loves, you know, obviously following recruiting. He loves uh, being an insider. And so to him, his passion drives him. So putting in 12-hour days, like <laughs> CJ does, you know, it's not that big a deal. Some people are like, man, you're working real hard. And he is working real hard, trust me. But when it's something that you love and you, you see that passion as your purpose, and I think that's what recruiting has to be. Where you, because like I said, it, it is, it's like, it's like a full-time job. Essentially, these college coaches got two jobs. They got, they got recruiting. That's a full-time job and to be a position coach. And it can, it can be really demanding. You have to be able to keep up with relationships and to keep up with these young people. You got to stay current. You got to stay, you have to, you ain't got no choice because you're talking to 17, you know, 16, 18 year old kids. You got to stay current in a certain way too, um, that I don't even think I am. I don't even know how good I would be on the recruiting trail necessarily. Uh, so I, I do, it thinks a certain kind of energy. I think Sark likes having that, that youthful energy. And listen, I, I, I haven't met coach, uh, you know, I haven't met him personally. Um, but I do think that you start looking at um, Kenny Baker and his background and how quickly he was able to rise. Trust me, guys, as someone who tried, you know, thinking about, thought about going to the coaching ranks and did some studying, you, to be a fast riser like that, you got to be, first of all, you got to have some talent and coaching, period, uh, whether it be as a recruiter in the college ranks or somebody who can develop talent. And you also have to be someone who, who values relationships, can cultivate them, can maximize them. That's how you rise that quickly. <laughs> and honestly, that's recruiting, guys, in a nutshell. It's relationships, maximizing them, cultivating them. They have to matter to you. They have to be valuable to you. And I think for Kenny Baker, that's something that's going to easily translate. Something I was trying to figure out, and my man um, Jeff Howe helped me to this when we were doing our Longhorn Blitz podcast. And we were trying to figure out the connection to Sark from you know Kenny Baker. Like, how are they connected? Did he just get a random recommendation from someone? Still don't know it for a fact. My man Jeff Howe brought up a good point over there from uh, 247 Sports that maybe – Pete Jenkins could be the connection. Pete Jenkins is an old school D-line coach, was D-line coach at LSU, um, has been a D-line coach, I mean, at a number of places. I mean, this guy is old school, old school, and one of the most respected D-line coaches around. At one point, and I want to say it was like in the, eh, maybe around the 2010, somewhere around there, he, he stopped coaching for a while. And there was like a, there's like a blank spot, right, in his coaching resume. There, we stopped. He stopped coaching for a while. He 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 stopped coaching because he was putting on coaching clinics for D line coaches. He was doing clinics for actual coaches, and one of the coaches was Kenny Baker, and Pete Jenkins and Nick Saban go way way back, like eight tracks, old school, and <laughs> that. Uh, Sark might have gone that route, might have went the Peter Pete Jenkins route to get a recommendation about a young upcoming D-line coach who is great in recruiting and who, who who obviously is a great talent developer. And that they may that may be the connection if we're looking for a connection. Because I was trying to figure it out. I, you know, I thought maybe it could be the Shanahan tree. Sark loves the Shanahan tree. Mike McDaniel Shanahan tree. That maybe that could be the route. Could have went two three degrees of separation. I'll admit that Pete Jenkins' connection might be a a more plausible 
theory as to how Sartre got connected with Kenny Baker or maybe where the recommendation or referral came from. Because we know that he was with Pete Jenkins as one of those coaches in that D-line camp and reportedly Pete Jenkins loved him and was oh. and was was throwing his name out a lot when he got a chance or when somebody would ask him about him. So yeah. that's something to consider too. Well, and I think at this point, CJ, you trust Sark with his hires. I mean, he's really hit the home runs with everyone. Brendan Marion owns only here a year, but he's already a, fi- a rising candidate. And, uh, you know, Chris Jackson and, and Tashar Choice have been great, um, and, you know, in their roles. And, you know, that, I think that that's, you know, says a lot for Sark. If you're going to do a deep dive like that and, you know, talk to a to an old school Yoda on the defensive line coaching, right? Uh, who's the guy I'm going to regret not hiring five years from now if I don't hire him now? Um, you know, who is that guy? Uh, you get that word back because, yeah, I mean, you know, at Texas, you hire someone who is from mid-major schools and doesn't have a big resume. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, big, you know, big money guys and Texas fans are gonna be like, who's this guy? Uh, it tells you that Sark is not looking for kind of like on recruiting. You're not looking, you're not chasing stars and uh, five stars in rankings. You're chasing someone that fits and checks the boxes you're looking to check. Yeah, hundred percent. I think what Rod actually said about the the quick progression through the ranks is something that really stood out to me. Combine that with the fact that he has a great approach and great energy towards recruiting. There's a video of him at Western Kentucky talking about wanting to find the guys that want to be with him and want to be with this program and gelling and finding ways to develop on and off the field from there. That's something that I think translates wherever you are, as long as you maintain that same mindset. Now at a place like Texas, it's only magnified to the extent of who he can go out and pursue. Uh, right now, he's again, he, he's getting off to a quick start seeing Landon Rink this afternoon. And I expect to see this continue uh, as long as the coaches are able to be out on the trail. He's going to be racking up some miles over the next couple of days. I think that's for sure. On the uh, Pete Jenkins thing again. So Sark was at Washington until 2013, and then he goes to USC. Pete Jenkins was the D-line coach, I believe, at, uh, if you go look at it, in 2013. He was at USC in 2013. Um, so, it, yeah, this guy had been a D-line coach going back to 1978 with Oklahoma State. <laughs> and then it was a D-line coach who, with the LSU from 1980 to, like, 1990. And then went back to LSU in 2000, then went to the Eagles – from 07 to 09, but he had a gap from 2001 to 07. And that's when he was doing these clinics. And one of the guys who went to the clinics for D lineman was Kenny Baker. Cause he's mm. considered PJ is kind of a made man among D line coaches. And apparently him and Saban from the LSU time, they were, they were, they go way back. And PJ Jenkins used to visit Alabama when Sark was there in 2019 as you know just a coach visiting and how it how often happens uh just try to pick up different you know coaching concepts and stuff like that and that also is where he and sark's past might have crossed if they didn't cross earlier from his time when he came to usc right after pete jenkins left so not sure exactly when it would have come but pete jenkins might be that connection that connective tissue we're looking for like how does sark find this kenny baker guy Pete Jenkins might be the, the way. Yeah, uh, you want that person you can reach out to. It's similar, Rod, to like, uh, you know, Coach Gundy up at Oklahoma State. Sometimes it's an off-the-nose hire, right? You're doing a deep dive. You're bringing a guy in that people really haven't heard of. Uh, Mike Gundy's been big on that. <laughs> to, yeah. to find guys True. that, you know, but it doesn't mean they're not good coaches. And you can find good coaches in a lot of places, especially if they check the boxes you're looking to check and, and um, you'll feel the needs you're looking for. Because, you know, with Tashard Choice replacing Stan Drayton, Stan Drayton was doing a hell of a job. I mean, he brought in B. John Robinson. He helped develop Roshan Johnson. 
um, you you had to fill those shoes, and, and Tashar Choice has jumped in and you know just kept it rolling with the, the recruiting and the development. Now Jonathan Brooks has a chance to be a you know day two draft pick and things of that nature, and the next next wave are coming. So you, you're when you're placing a guy like Bo Davis, you want to make sure you get it right because Bo Davis yeah. has, has done an incredible job uh, since he's been at Texas developing these defensive linemen. I'll do a personal note on Landon Rink from Cy Fair. His uh, his father Shane is on the defensive coaching staff there. That's one of my good buddies from high school. I grew up with Shane. Of course, uh, Shane is a UT legacy. He played at UT in the 90, early 90s. Uh, came in one year ahead of Dan Neal. Dan Neal played, went to my high school as well at Cy Creek. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dan Neal was one year behind us. But Shane's a good buddy. One of the, one of these Tuesday nights, we'll get Shane on. He's a he's a funny dude. And we'll nice. talk football with Shane. He's a good dude. Lifetime Longhorn for sure. I get a little insights. But uh, good dude. So if you're down there in the Cypress area and you know Coach Rink and uh, that whole crew, say tell them we said hello, hello here on the On Texas Football Live stream brought to you by Texas Electricity Ratings. Hey, guys, as the the coaches fan out and winter workouts are underway, and as CJ has already told us here tonight, that there's probably not much news coming next Wednesday when the the signing window opens on the first Wednesday of February. Uh, There's not going to be a ton of breaking news in that regard. But, um, CJ, real quick before we talk some Senior Bowl and the Longhorns who are participating, there were going to be as many as eight Longhorns at the Senior Bowl. Now it's down to two as far as who's participating because of some injuries and some guys who came back. But uh, what about Michigan? Are we hearing? I know the Michigan window's open. Jim Harbaugh's now officially gone since we've talked last Tuesday. Sharon Moore has been, uh, you know, promoted, kind of like uh, you know Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day, kind of taking the reins of the program from a legendary coach. What are we hearing out of Michigan? You know, we talk about you know add drop periods and transfer portal. It's open, but can they actually leave and get into school somewhere? What are you hearing on the trail about Michigan and Michigan players? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. It's a little bit of an awkward spot right now. You know, Texas is supposed to, this is supposed to be the ending of the, the early, you know, ad drop period for Texas as they enter the spring semester. Uh, there are exceptions available if you were, uh, apply or, uh, you know, kind of appeal, I guess, is the, the, the better word there uh, for Texas admissions. Right now, it's a waiting game to see who all does depart from Michigan. Right now, I think the first departure that we've seen into the portal was today, uh, a third year defensive end that. I don't really think Texas would have a whole lot of interest went in only uh, only had 43 snaps of, of play in, in this uh, this past season. So I think for Texas to go out and pursue a portal guy from from Michigan is going to have to be one of those guys that you see on the field with uh, real experience, real production. Right now, Texas is going to be monitor, monitoring any fallout from anywhere, not, not just Michigan, but Michigan, of course, is the hot topic. Harbaugh taking the, the Chargers job taking the defensive coordinator and the strength and condition coach with him, who was really one of the biggest uh, 
pins in place right there to hold everything together since his departure with him leaving right now. Things are kind of in that, that awkward waiting phase because things might open up just a little bit for Michigan as their 30-day window com- continues into uh, deep February as we expect a little bit of attrition to come as a result. Uh, right now, if they do depart, they might be looking at a spot right now where they might have to sit out the rest of the semester until they can apply for the summer. It might actually be a better position for these Michigan kids to sit back and wait until the, the spring uh, before entering their name into the portal, just so that it's a smoother transition into the admissions from a, a standpoint of getting into classes and enrolling from there. So that might be where we're at right now, but I think Michigan's done a tremendous job of ensuring the, the kids on campus right now that things are still going to be moving in the right direction with under Sharon Moore. And that was, I think, by design, Rod. We talked about that with uh, Jim Harbaugh kind of playing out the clock and letting it wait yeah. and uh, kind of kind of knowing how it would play out when he took the Chargers job because I think the Chargers job was waiting for him when he wanted to take it. Uh, and that was really smart because we saw what happened in Alabama when Nick mm-hmm. Saban retired uh, and, you know, all hell broke loose in, in, in Tuscaloosa as far as that goes. But, um, you know, as a player side, I mean, now Sharon Morris get a chance to, a chance to make an impression. Uh, does yep. look like uh, the defensive coordinator, Zach Minter, uh, is going to be going with the, the Chargers, the strength conditioning coach. It uh, looks like he's going to the Chargers as well. So there'll be some new faces. And, you know, that's, you know, this time of year is when that strength conditioning coach, that's your guy. That's the guy you see the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this will be important for Michigan. And then, and as you, you're a former player, Rod, you never played within the, the transfer portal era. But, you know, now we'll see how they, uh, you know, keep this thing together for post spring practice. Yeah, I mean, and Jim Harbaugh gets to pick his successor for the second time, right? He he, he basically appointed David Shaw to be his successor at Stanford, and now he's picking Sharon Moore. I would say the David Shaw thing worked out pretty well, um, at least for a few years until I think and ultimately it, it, things kind of unraveled for David Shaw. Uh, but, yeah, how long can he keep the Harbaugh brand of football in place, intact, until he can put his own spin on it, all right, until Sharon Moore can come up with his own version of brand or identity of, of, of Michigan football. You know, right now it looks like they're going to keep a lot of it together. I think it helps that, you know, Harbaugh was a Michigan man. That helps, right, because that's kind of, I mean, he was trying his best to do what was best for Michigan, the program, and not really best for himself. And I, I, you got to respect that. And I think that's what the, the slow play was about. And it helps that the, the players know – Coach Moore, they, he's been around there, what, six years, something like that? They know him. He's been around there for a while, so that helps. Too. That's different than Alabama as well in a lot of ways, but at least that's why they – remember that at one point they were thinking about keeping, um, you know, uh, the, the offensive coordinator. They were trying to promote him, I should say, promoting him as the the uh, head coach, uh, Tommy Reese, because I think they were just trying to keep some continuity. Um, he got a job in the league, actually. I forgot who with. I had to look that up. I just saw that Tommy Reese got hired as a position coach. I he believe did. it was. Yeah, go look it up. It's it's a it's random too. I Browns tight end coach, I believe. Yeah, it was out of nowhere. And I was like, what? That's weird. Anyway, I digress. Uh, my point is, they got a better chance for him to at least be to be able to keep some of the the brand of football and identity intact because you stack the roster. Harbaugh was there forever. You can keep most of those same guys there. And he knows what the identity of that 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 team is, you know. I think they actually can still somewhat keep it, you know, moving. I don't know if they'll be able to win championships again. I don't. I mean, it took them a while just to get that one, but I do think they'll be winning double digit games. I mean, I think okay. they got enough talent on that roster to do that. 
And CJ, that's pertinent because, uh, you know, we talked about the SEC and the Longhorns seem ready for it. Longhorns play in Ann Arbor in early September week two. And so Sharon Moore will be the new head coach and uh, JJ McCarthy will be gone. They'll have to break in a new quarterback. So that's another opportunity for the Longhorns to maybe be in an advantage position in a tough road game uh, against a Big Ten team who just won the national championship. Much like last year in Tuscaloosa where you know, Nick Saban was there, but new coordinators on both sides, new quarterback and Longhorns went in there and won the game by 10 points. I think there's a lot of similarities similarities from what you see from Texas going to Alabama last year to what Texas will be going into uh, this upcoming year in Ann Arbor. Obviously a little bit different. Harbaugh's gone, Saban stayed, uh, but you're getting a brand-new quarterback. Michigan's losing a lot of production from this national championship winning team. Uh, they also have a very talented group of, uh, of guys returning. You know, we talked about uh, Kenneth Graham, Mason Graham, uh, Will Johnson as well. He's probably that number one cornerback in the entire country. He was the MVP or defensive MVP of the national title game. To say that Michigan won't have talent is a bit, you know, uh, a, bit, a, a bit selling it short. Mm. But to say that they're going to be ready week two against a team like Texas mm. after what they were depart or losing from this past year, I think is a little bit of a stretch. So I do expect Texas to be the favorite. I think they are the favorite by about two points, two and a half points at the moment. That was before Jim Harbaugh even left. So who knows what that line might move to or or how the Vegas odds makers might view that game as we get closer to the fall. But right now I I, I love where Texas is uh heading into the S or into that game in our in our in Ann Arbor, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Tough talking here. Tuesdays are kicking me. Uh, but I do think the biggest question mark for that game will be uh, the Texas run defense. We talked about how talented Michigan yeah. is in, in both sides of the trenches. They love running the ball down your throats. You know, we saw a game this year where Michigan was like, you know what, for 25 straight plays, we're going to hand the ball off to Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards. You know, and, and Penn State, a good defense, you're not going to stop it. If Texas is, is shaky in that front seven, that could be the, you know, how we talked about things not being a great fit as we saw against Washington. That's Texas's kryptonite against Michigan. Yeah. Good point. Well, well said. 100% well said, even though you stumbled through Ann Arbor, but that happens <laughs> when you're doing a lot of radio and there are a lot of TV. It's the double A's. Uh, a lot of YouTube. Hey, uh, hey, Rod, I mean, uh, well, well, you know, not to belabor that point, but, um, you know, Texas beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa by 10 and was the first yeah. team in 50 some games to win it really because of continuity, right? They went in with a game plan they had prepared for with the, you know, returning quarterback and a lot of returning players. Michigan, I mean, they're still going to be super talented, as CJ said, but continuity is a big thing. And you're breaking yep. in a new quarterback and probably a new offensive, you know, not total system, but just changes. Uh, defensively, you know, Zinter's going, or uh, Minter's going off to the Chargers. Uh, continuity matters, especially early. You know, the Longhorns probably didn't want to play Alabama in week 10, uh, but to play them in week two uh, was a big advantage for the Longhorns. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that's why I feel confident the Longhorns can go to Ann Arbor and win the game is because they have a veteran quarterback. Um, all the coordinators are still intact. They don't have to go through the growing pains that Michigan inevitably will have to go through while guys are acclimating to a new defensive system. We don't know who that's got. Maybe they'll promote somebody from within. It won't have to, but it'll be a new style of play caller. I'm sure the, the terminology could be slightly different. It's just a, it'll be a different vibe overall. Um, they'll be playing at home, but Texas, I mean, having 
four of your five returning starters on your offensive line. I mean, Michigan's going to have a historic draft, reportedly, if you listen to Jim Harbaugh. Um, so they're going to lose a lot. Now, they got a lot of, like I said, they stacked some classes. There's some first-rounders on that roster right now. Right? Uh, and aside from the guys that are leaving, they're first-rounders, underclassmen on that roster right now. CJ probably can break some of them down to you. But, you know, and I don't think those guys will leave. I think those guys actually probably will stay there at Michigan. Um, so they got a lot of unproven commodities. But think about how long Harbaugh had been there, guys. He's been there a long time. Stacking, yeah, even stacking classes, they're they're still loaded. Now, will they have the schematic, strategic, tactical advantage um, that you get with Harbaugh? Will they lose a little bit of the edge you get with Harbaugh? Because Harbaugh is all edge, right? Do you will you lose some of that? Probably, because you know Harbaugh takes that with him. I mean, that's just part of who he is, and that that DNA seeps into the fabric of the the, the team. Uh, so you're probably going to lose that, and that's probably where your edge was in terms of Michigan just being able to uh, overwhelm teams and impose their will against teams. Uh, Tom Herman used to always have a great saying, you know, football essentially is a is a game that comes down to moving another human being against their will, and Michigan does that better than anybody in the country. They move human beings against their will, <laughs> and yeah. they do it really well. Um, and I think that's if they if they can still do that, man. They still gonna win a lot of. They'll win ugly games, but they'll win them. Well, I know a lot of our on Texas football Tuesday live stream watchers are headed to that game in Ann Arbor in September. Have their tickets. They're ready to go flying to to Detroit and head over there. Fifty minute drive down to Ann Arbor and take in the big house maybe for the first time for a lot of people. That'll be a lot of fun, much like the Tuscaloosa game uh, one year ago. And there are parallels here with the new coach coming in and a lot of change at Michigan while the Texas Longhorns come in with a lot of continuity at, at coaching and, and positions. Uh, before we shift gear to some senior bowl and some uh, uh, more off-season conversation here on this Tuesday, let me tell you about our friends at Texas Electricity Ratings. For those of you all still living here in te Texas that uh, watch the YouTube and watch the channel, in major cities, especially the ones that are deregulated, like in Dallas and Houston, you understand the deregulated electricity market can be very confusing. Texas Electricity Ratings is a shopping website that lets you compare prices, read customer reviews, find a good electricity uh, provider that fits your needs. And it filters out a lot of the gimmicky plans and websites, uh, gives you the power to choose. Um, a lot of them are going to try to trick you, uh, you, you, you into, into more expensive bills. You get that. You want to avoid it. So if you're in the market for a new electricity plan, shop TexasElectricityRatings.com. Uh, that's TexasElectricityRatings.com slash OTF. Make sure you do the On Texas Football OTF for all of your electricity needs and hook them uh, from Texas Electricity Ratings. We appreciate them every Tuesday night for bringing us the live stream. Guys, Senior Bowl uh, for folks that started in Mobile. We know the game is Saturday uh, in Mobile, Alabama. All the GMs from all 32 NFL teams will be there. All the, uh, you know, it's one of the, the big gatherings of the offseason. Um, you know, Super Bowl's one, but the GMs go to the Senior Bowl and the Combine. That's where they head up. And uh, that's where everybody lands. But uh, the Longwoods were at one point going to have as many as eight players uh, participating here at the Senior Bowl. Uh, but we know Jatavion, excuse me, uh, uh, Jade Barron and Alfred Collins both were invited and they both decided to come back for another year at Texas, which is a big boost for the Longhorns, keeping the big defensive tackle from Bastrop and the uh, veteran defensive back from Pflugerville. Uh, they'll be back. And then, you know, several Longhorns showed up or didn't he come just because of injury. Uh, which, which, and we can speak to that, but right now only two Longhorns there. Tavondre Sweat uh, is going through his work, and Christian Jones, the you know sixth year right tackle, Jalen Ford, um, you know Byron Murphy, and uh, you know get, you know we're on the list to be there, but uh, they're not 100% healthy, so they want to make sure that they're 
uh, they're taking care of themselves and not doing themselves a disservice. So they're not 100 percent and ready to go for this thing. And Rod, you spoke to that this morning with on our show on the horn here in Austin that, you know, this is you know your agents. And then this is for you're just showing up for an all star game, essentially. Right. And yep. you know, you, you're taking the risk here. If something were to happen and injuries could happen, if you're not 100 percent, if you're a Byron Murphy and you're you know, you're projected as a top 20 pick in the draft. Uh, you can do more harm than good here showing up if you're not 100 percent. Jalen Ford in the same vein. Jordan Whittington also was invited. But, um, you know, that, that I don't know if you played in any of these these senior these all star games. When you were coming out, Rod. But you know, it, it's an honor. But at the same time, the big picture is you got to worry about yourself. Yes. And even aside from the injuries, right, anything that's bothering you or lingering, if it's even if it's small and, you know, you can play through it you should decide to do what's best for your professional career and prospects. So you should pass on the game. And that, that, by the way, scouts and coaches don't hold that against players at all because they know they got to prepare for the pre-draft process. And there's so much at stake for these guys. So they don't expect them to, you know, risk all that and risk re-injury or aggravating that injury just to play in the game. And it go, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just apply to injuries. It also applies to question marks. Right. In your scouting and evaluation, uh, data points that may work against you. Say Tavondre, Tavondre Sweat, right? Tavondre Sweat did not want to weigh in at the senior bowl. Why? Because one of the data points working against Tavondre Sweat is his weight. Is he too big? Right. He weighed in at 360. Oh, he was listed at 362 pounds, 6'4. Matt Miller, NFL draft scout. Uh, points out Sweat uh, did not weigh in, opted not to do it. He's going to wait to a more favorable. Uh, time to do so maybe uh maybe at the combine you know maybe at a pro day whenever he feels like he's at his best most ideal weight so he probably is trying to lose like 10 12 pounds maybe he wants to get down to 350 355 whatever it is i know you're like what six seven pounds what this does make it makes a huge difference trust me rod be measuring in at five eight and three quarters at the combine if i'd have been five nine five nine i'd have got drafted around higher i was told that Five nine. That's all. Five eight. Five nine. One round higher. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's the truth. That's what happens. All right. So those negative data points. That's why Kyler Murray didn't measure until he had to. Right. He didn't measure until he got stretched out for three weeks straight, and then went to the combine and was an inch and a half taller. Boom. All right. We'll draft your number one overall. Right. But I know it sounds crazy, but that's the way the NFL works. They're all about the measurables. So yeah, you don't want to go there, and you don't want to present a negative data point, no matter. Even if it's, you know, a 40 or testing or uh, say you're going to play and you're not 100 percent and then they don't know you're injured and you're playing through an injury. Anything is going to reflect negatively. Uh, you want to avoid that. And your agent and your representative, they'll tell you, hey, I talked to some scouts and they're talking negatively about your weight. They're worried about you get ballooning up to 375, 380. Once you get that big paycheck, they figure you're going to be eating real good. They don't want to draft you to New Orleans because you're going to be eating like Zion. So, you know, I mean, whatever it may be, it's stupid. It's scouting season. But they look for reasons not to draft you. That's the whole point of this season. All right. Anybody can look at a player and go, man, that player is really good at A, B, and C. That's that's easy to do. That, that's the untrained eye. The trained eye is actually uh, trained to figure out what you need to coach up in a skill set, the liabilities in a skill set. And I think that's what this that's why the scouting season can get really silly, actually. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> because I mean, if I'm Tavandre, I want to leave the girth here, CJ. And she'd go in there and show my physicality and, and dominate. But, you know, the next phase is of that draft process is combine. I would guess he'll probably try to drop 10 or 15 pounds before the combine. So he's a little leaner, a little faster, a little quicker, uh, all those mm -hmm. things. And uh, to Rod's point about anybody that's got a red flag about the weight, you know, you don't have to worry about that senior bowl. You got a month then to lean out a little bit, 
run a little faster 40 times, shuttles and those kind of things. And, you know, the NFL, once you get in the league, they're going to put you at a playing weight that they want you to be at, and you're going to be on that. Uh, but this is all part of it. I and mean, it's not a lot different than a, you know, a beauty pageant or a stock show. It's just you're, you're looking, <laughs> it really is. You're, you're, you're investing in uh, the future for these NFL teams. So they are looking for reasons to not draft you for sure and not make a bad investment. Uh, but you also got to play that game too, the other side. As for the, uh, the couple guys that are there, uh, guys, and we'll talk some NFL draft because I did see where Daniel Jeremiah, uh, NFL Network, put out his top 50 prospects. The Longhorns have five or six guys in the top 50, according to Daniel, uh, which is, you know, huge for Texas and uh, for these young guys. Uh, Daniel's one of the best. But uh, for the two that are there, CJ, I, thought, I saw you tweeting today some videos. Devondre's doing himself proud and playing well there, despite, despite not weighing in. And Christian Jones in one-on-one drills. This is with these, the, uh, for people who don't, for uh, our, our viewers who don't know, the Senior Bowl game is not nearly as important as the week of practice because mm-hmm. coaches and, and scouts get to get up close and watch these individual drills and one-on-ones. And you know, these are some of the best players in the country against some of the best players in the country. Uh, and I thought uh, to the video I saw you post, CJ, Christian Jones had himself a really good day. He absolutely did. I thought in the one-on-one pass protection sets, uh, you know, that it draws a lot of, you know, eyeballs. You know, that's what the scouts want to see. Can you block the guy right in front of you and, and, and can you get around the guy right in front of you? That's, that's you know, as, as kind of ticky-tack as it might be, you know, there's a lot of stock that goes into that. You know, it, it's one of those weird deals where you're not in a scheme or a formation or a set. You know, you're sitting there and saying, you know, can I handle the guy right in front of me? And he did a tremendous job. I thought this was – if I haven't seen the best version of Christian Jones this past season, he did it today. I thought that that was – it was a that superb of a performance at the Senior Bowl. He – I think to my to my count went six for six and pass threat wins, and he was going against the likes of uh, Miles Cole, the Texas Tech defensive end with the eighty four or eighty six inch wingspan. Uh, he Justin Igbugbe, I believe is how you pr- pronounce his name. He's uh, out of Alabama as well. Uh, John Baptiste, the end out of Notre Dame. So it's not like he's going against guys who, you know, we're just happy to be there. These are all guys who are looking to hear their name called within the first two or three rounds uh, as well. So. It was a tremendous outing for for Christian Jones, and I, I thought you know there's a, a very warm reception for him on Twitter as well from the Texas faithful. You know his coaching staff was very happy. Kyle Flood tweeted about it. A number of ex players were able to kind of express their appreciation for what not only he meant to the Texas program and behind the scenes as a leader, but also you know it's one of those cool things where and Rod you you can attest to this. You see a guy that you've been in the locker room with for three or four years go out and you know put on a yeah. performance that's gonna probably earn him a a few, you know, rounds higher of a draft pick. You know, it's exciting. That's one of those things that you root for. You know, you go from competing against these guys to competing with these guys to rooting for these guys. And it's, it's cool to see. So I I thought Christian Jones specifically had a a tremendous day there at the combine. He was one of the biggest winners uh, that I was able to watch uh, uh, from just about everybody that was out there. So uh, a couple other guys that stood out, Michigan wide receiver, Roman Wilson was one, Lad McConkey out of Georgia, Really impressive days uh, all the way around. Tyler Guyton had a solid day, the, the tackle from Oklahoma as well. But but really happy for Christian Jones. He deserves a, a a standing O for the trajectory and path that he's been on his entire career. He's guys that you've seen, you know, tangible improvements mm-hmm. year yep. in and year out. And if you're Kyle Flood, you can't be happier than watching, you know, Christian Jones walk out there, put on a show and say, oh, yeah, like I, I did that, you know. Let me go recruit as a result of this. So really impressive stuff. That's awesome. And Rod, you've yeah. told me the story and told our audience the story about 
You know, he was a soccer player, Christian Jones. He was. Uh, he was talking about landing rink down at uh, Cypress Cy Fair. Uh, I believe uh, Christian was from the Cypress area too. And he yep. was a soccer player that kept growing. And uh, so he's got great feet, but he didn't start playing football until he was in like the 10th grade. And, uh, you know, he's still learning. I remember being at the Arkansas game when he was starting way too early. Mm. And he was coached by Herb Hand, which was not good for anybody, yeah. uh, if memory serves. Mm -hmm. And he just got overwhelmed. I mean, it was we were at the Arkansas game, and he just had a really rough night, and you felt bad for him. But this is why fans and you know people don't give up on players because you, you can mm -hmm. keep getting better, you can keep coaching them, and keep improving. And Christian Jones has just gotten better and better. And you know, when you don't you don't play football till the tenth grade, and all of a sudden you're playing D one college football a couple of years later, that's a big step. And we're seeing a young guy that is one of the nicer people you'll ever interview and talk to, who's really worked at it, and now he's got a chance to go be a professional. Yeah, it is. It's a great story. That's why I understand, you know, CJ, what he said, what you said about the players and how enthusiastic they were and how happy they were for Christian Jones, because you watch his journey. I mean, this is a guy that every year has improved. And that was a time I wasn't sure if Christian Jones wasn't an NFL caliber player. Um, and now he's a, he's improved his stock to the point where, I mean, this guy's going to get drafted potentially uh, in this NFL draft in a deep uh, offensive line draft. And yeah, he came in as I believe that he was six, three, around two fifteen when he got to high school and he thought he was going to be a soccer player. He always talks about that. The coaches at, uh, at uh site was at site Creek. They saw, Cy Ridge. I think it was site Ridge, maybe site Ridge is one of the size schools. One of the size. I would. Was it site Wood? Yeah, you're right. Cywood. Cywood. I mean, we got all the sides wrong. We got all the wrong. They got they got a ton of them now. Uh, I think it started off as the, the first one was side Greek, so I'm old school. But Cywood's no, first one was side fair. First one was side fair. Was it really? That's the oldest I one. Was Cypress, Creek? Okay, yeah, that's the name of the district, Cypress Fairbanks, and then Side Creek was two because that's okay. where I went. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So uh, he was he went to he went to side Woods, and the coaches they basically while he was walking through the halls, they wouldn't stop stalking him. I mean, he was he was tall lanky i didn't know i don't think they knew he was going to be an offensive lineman he all started out playing jv and then you think about this guy now is what 330 somewhere around there he's around 6'6 330 so we talk about in about a nine year span he goes it you know, grows three inches and gains 115 pounds <laughs> so the, the truth is the scouts love him because they're not sure how long He's been playing in this this new body of his, right? This this is basically he's 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 had this new body as a, an offensive lineman for probably every five or six years, uh, you know, since he got to Texas and they started to transform him after his redshirt year, and he's gotten better every year. NFL scouts love that because that means he's coachable. He's coachable every year. He's got to take coaching. Um, and he and he takes it. He takes it in, no matter how harsh it may be. Uh, and is the guy that's able to to use it as motivation, but also use it to better himself. So I think that's what I love about him. Is number one, you know, he's coachable, and his. I don't. I think his upside is tremendous because this is a guy that like hadn't been playing football for a really long time and hasn't been that size for a really long time. Like he wasn't yeah. always the big dude. He grew into it. Yeah, that's a great point way to put it, that uh, he's just learned how to use this girth of his, this body of his, and obviously, you know, feet are important. Technique is massive, and Kyle Flood, one of the best teachers of it, and uh, he's taken to it. You know, he could have gone last year, but was told to go back and keep working, and, and he's mm -hmm. done just that at himself. He was one of the, uh, CJ, probably the most consistent offensive lineman Texas had last year. Um, you know, Kelvin Banks was obviously, you know, prodigy and really good player, but 
Christian Jones, he almost he was he was rock solid the whole year long, which was great to see. And now building on that into the senior bowl. Good stuff by UCJ with the tweets and the videos that people can go watch at your Twitter, Twitter account uh, for sure. Uh, from the senior bowl and obviously more coverage from CJ uh, and on the on Texas channel uh, to you know, keep up with how Tavondre is doing, Christian Jones, and as we said, several other guys kind of bailed on it uh, just to, to preserve themselves and weren't 100% healthy. Let's get some super chats in here on this Tuesday night Longhorn live stream. Uh, Justin Yarborough, Rod, do you think Taft can improve enough to make an NFL roster? Just to realize you play with my favorite coach I played for, Jermaine Anderson. Hey. Well, thank you, Justin. Appreciate that, man. Hey, uh, Jermaine Anderson, I, I love you. One of Texas, them Texas City boys, man. They brought they brought in like four of them dudes from Texas City. Uh, all I believe they were all in the same class too. Yeah, Jermaine's Jermaine Anderson's good people. Um, let me uh, let me think about Taft Daddy as an NFL player. Right now, I don't I don't see it. But you're right. You're saying can he improve enough to turn it turn his draft stock uh, at least turn into you know a guy that can be a draftable prospect and maybe doesn't get drafted. Right, we've seen plenty of guys not get drafted and kind of make their way to the NFL as an undrafted free agent. And we've seen several NFL, several Texas players take, uh, take that route. Um, right now, I don't see him as an NFL player. And I wonder if, you know, once Texas brings in, you know, th these these young DBs, uh, they're going to bring in Derek Williams, I think, is, is going to solidify his starting spot. Makuba is going to be, you know, one of your other starting safeties there, too. They like to rotate guys. Um, but I wonder this season if he's going to get as many reps as he did last season. Because last season he was the he was the most assignment sound of those DBs um, because he was the guy that was in the right place and where the coach expected him to be and where he was supposed to be. They had a lot of busts. They had a lot of guys who had mental errors back there, but not Taft Daddy. So I think this season, if they get more assignment sound play from their frontline guys, they should get that from Akuba. He's a veteran. Derek Williams is knowing his system now more because he's not a freshman. If that is the case, I don't know if he'll see as many reps as he did last season, but he definitely will be in the rotation. Um, and right now, like I said, I, I, I love Tab. I think he's fantastic. Right now, I don't see NFL player for him, um, but that could is change. He, not, he, he could surprise me. He's got a great nose for the football, too. Does he comp for you to, to like a Blake Gideon who's his coach at safety, Rod? Uh, man, I hate to just make the white safety comparison. That just seems lazy. But no, I'm not. I don't know. No, no, I'm not saying that yours. But it just, I'm with you. I, I, I yes, he could go that route. But you know, I, I wish, I'm sure there's another comparison I could make. It's just the <laughs> other white safety I can think of. But no, man, you're right about that. I can see that. Blake Giddy was a hell of a player. Blake Giddy started more games at DBU than any other player in Texas football history. Yep, I mean, that was tremendous back there. And you know, and he was kind of the stabilizing force back there. Hell, Earl Thomas, a lot of times, he tell you the reason he was lined up in the right spot early on when he was, was a starter is because Blake Gideon made sure, hey, Earl, you better be two yards that way. You're number two. You're reading number two. Like, he would, you know, he'd kind of be the air traffic controller back there. Tav Daddy has that. He does have that ability. And I think that's what forces his will on the field is because now he understands where to be and he understands why to be there. And I don't think all the other guys get why. They understand where to be, but he gets the why, which is why he can, at times, you'll see him circumvent certain responsibilities within the defense because he sees, oh, man, he sees something about to be exposed or he sees a vulnerability. And there are times where he will he will get there and try to stop the bleeding because he, he understands the whys, but a lot of players don't get the whys. Um, but this season, I expect more of the DBs to be a little bit more uh, – 
I, I expect them to be a little bit more experienced. Not only that, but I expect them to be a little more cerebral in being able to diagnose plays themselves and, you know, win the chess match within the game um, on the individual level. And, and I yeah. think Taft that helps them with that. He's a high IQ, high acting football player. No question about that. And uh, best abilities or dependability and reliability, right? When you're, uh, when yeah, you're, your coach you want someone who you know is gonna be in the right place and make the right play even if he's not your biggest and fastest guy uh it was smart when texas announced to go to the sec there was gonna be four years instead of a&m and going so quickly sark was able to recruit and be sec ready for this year that's a good point because a&m was you know shotgun they were like get us out of here we were we go one year later they were into the sec but actually a&m was better early in the sec than they have been of yes, late were. um but you know i do think as we talked about it on the top of the cast tonight that um you know, Texas is in a good place going in with maybe only Georgia and Ole Miss in a more solid spot in the SEC right now. You, you know, you would obviously have said Alabama, but they're breaking in a new coach and a lot of change there. Uh, Texas is in a good place. But, you know, A&M was the better early, guys. Um, we know when they left the Big 12 and, um, you know, had Johnny Manziel and Kevin Sumlin. And uh, obviously it is, has gotten pretty, pretty stale at A&M and now Mike Elko's in. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun practice to go through because, you know, when we heard that Texas was going into the SEC, I think you could look at that roster at the time and say, Oi, hey, uh, <laughs> are we sure? <laughs> but, you know, credit to Kyle Flood. You know, obviously Bo Davis had a good part in that as well in getting the trenches ready. Steve Sarkeesian had, you know, the the, the, the big picture approach and say, you know, we, we have 15 scholarship wide receivers and we got nine offensive linemen. Like, what we're doing right now and what had been, you know, mm -hmm. underway at Texas, that's completely got to change. If we're going to go play against the best of the best and expect to compete, what we're doing from a recruiting standpoint, a roster construction standpoint, has got to be flipped upside down uh, almost 100%. So I thought right now that's, that's a really good point uh, to just say, you know, Texas has been building for the SEC move for quite a while, you know. We've talked about what they were able to do right as the staff got here and go out and get seven offensive line in the 22 class. They've obviously compiled some really talented pieces uh, after that. You just got a five-star out-of-state kid from Brandon, Brandon Baker as well. So, you know, you're starting to look at what Texas is prioritizing in their roster construction. It's good quarterback, explosive playmakers, and dominant trench play. That wins in the SEC. And I think that is exactly what they viewed it as And uh, you know, I, it, it, it certainly worked out for their benefit that one, they didn't have to wait till 2025. So you could walk in with a third year starting quarterback as well. Uh, but two, you know, you, you have a very talented group of guys that are ready to compete in the sec and compete against just about anybody in the country right now. It's been a tremendous job to build up to this point. Yeah. And to add to that, remember when Andy went to the sec, their old lines were nice. Yeah. yeah. Remember, Sherman had been recruiting that O-line, man. That O-line was looking good. They had they'd been stockpiling some O-line talent there. So on top of having Johnny football, the O-lines actually were pretty good, remember? Yeah. That was one of the things that, that they had part done of Johnny really football. Yes, that was actually something they'd done really well there. And remember, Sark was asked about this. Sark was asked, did you start building this team? I think he was also asked, did you know if they were going to the SEC when you got the job? And he said no. He said, no, 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 That's that was not discussed on the private jet. That nobody told me we're going to the SEC and Sark. That's why we're getting you. When Sark was asked about, you know, did you build this team? Was this roster build specifically designed to compete in the SEC? He said no. I believe he re he, re he referenced it, they it was built and constructed to compete in the college football playoff. He said like that's what he studied. He didn't study the SEC. Studied the playoff, 
and he studied the teams that participated in the college football playoff, and he looked at the commonalities between those teams, the common traits, you know, what they did well, what they what their strengths and weaknesses were, and that's when he came up with he want he wanted size on the inside, right? He wanted girth inside, big humans. All right, he wanted big humans on this. That was also from his time in the NFL. Remember his time in the NFL? You know, Atlanta got bullied a little bit around. Uh, and I think he also understood, man, I need big humans. So he went to the big humans philosophy after studying that. And I think he, and kind of going back to his time when Al Davis uh, wanted uh, wanted to start to, to coach the Raiders, he's always been a, a guy obsessed with speed. And I think when he studied the playoff teams, he also came to the conclusion I need speed. I need it everywhere. I need speed all around on the outside. Speed on the outside, mass, girth, big humans on the inside. That was his roster formula, period. Those are the two things he came away with. And I think he came away with premium positions that he wants to build around and make sure stockpiles like quarterback, like wide receiver, and certain other positions. But I think his two key elements were speed, big humans, and everything else they can figure out, but you ain't going to compete in the college playoff because you ain't going to be competing in the SEC without big humans and without speed. Those were the common traits that he, that he thought that Texas needed to have. And they immediately started getting the big humans and immediately started getting speed on offense. hundred percent. And now more speed on defense and yep. obviously quarterback play big too, as CJ mentioned, and the long ones have stockpiled the quarterback room as well, including a visit with uh, K.J. Lacey today for Sark and A.J. Milwee, if you joined us late up there in Saraland, Alabama. Uh, Jeff, appreciate you. Awesome job, gentlemen. What's going on with Michigan transfers? By the way, I'm not chanting SEC. Texas is Texas, not the South. There you go, Jeff. Good job. Uh, you already addressed the Michigan thing. Probably nothing percolating right now because of calendar and timeline. And, you know, they do still play school. They still go to and enroll, go to classes. And that, that calendar has begun. Uh, Michigan started class, you know, early January. Uh, Texas started the same week right there, right after about January 10th, 11th, 12th. So, um, you know, at this point with ad drops, it's, it's tough to get into a school. I think, CJ, you said it well, that uh, probably best for this Michigan crew right now to play out the spring, see how Sharon Moore does, see where they're at. And, you know, there's a 15-day window that opens right after spring practice uh, that will be available to everybody, but Michigan players included. Uh, that's that's where I, my mind is going. You know, we're we're going to wait and see. As y'all talked about, there's probably a little bit of a plan and, you know, kind of concocted up there in Ann Arbor to, to mm -hmm. ensure that guys were staying on campus as long as they could, uh, even with Jim Harbaugh departing for the NFL. You know, that timing wasn't a mistake. The Chargers were playing for nothing. Uh, you know, I think behind the scenes, that deal was probably done a pretty long period mm -hmm. of time beforehand, it, before it actually became official. So, you know, if, if, if there's anybody that's going to maybe not bend the rules, but find a loophole and, you know, figure out ways to maximize advantages, that's Jim Harbaugh. So uh, yep. that's probably what was in place. I, just theorizing here, obviously. But, uh, yeah, waiting period right now for Michigan. Obviously, that spring window after uh, spring football and, and pad practices then should lend itself a, a pretty, I, I would say, you know, wealthful, uh, a pit of talent to enter the portal, especially on the defensive line where Texas is looking to prioritize uh, from the portal. No question about it. Uh, and obviously the Longhorns will have uh, you know, guys that may want to jump out into the portal after their spring practice too. It's the way it goes in college football these days. Uh, all right, guys, that's, uh, you know, as we're past an hour now, let's talk some NFL draft because Daniel Jeremiah, uh, NFL Network, he is their lead draft analyst. And I think he does a tremendous job. I think we all are in that boat with Daniel. He put out his uh, top 50 prospects today, not 
how the you know top 50 draft picks will go, but his top 51 to 50 uh, with you know Caleb Williams on top and um, Marvin Harrison Jr. number two, and uh, you know interesting that he's got Drake May up there and also uh, the LSU quarterback Jalen Daniels who just won the uh, the Heisman Trophy as the top three quarterbacks. Uh, but five Longhorns made the top 50 guys according to Daniel Jeremiah. Five, my by my count five. You guys, you I heard you guys say six in our pre pre chat, but I can only find five. But yeah, it's you, five. Uh, Byron Murphy at 22 as the highest uh, rated Longhorn. A.D. Mitchell at 34. J.T. Sanders, 41. X-Worthy at 43. And Tavondre Sweat at 48. So of the top 50, five Longhorns, that's that's first round and a half in the NFL draft if that's the way it slots, which it always doesn't. But that's, that's high praise for the Longhorns. And just your thoughts Pretty on good. Byron Murphy being the first guy at 22, two receivers, a tight end, and another tackle. Uh, y'all probably know this answer better than I do, but the last year Texas had, you know, a 10th of the top oh. 50 players. How long ago was that? Uh, not long after Rod was playing. I mean, it was yeah. middle 2000s. It was middle 2000s. 2000s. Yeah, 2000s. Definitely. Middle 2000s yeah. when they had yeah. this many players. And, they, you know, that's his top 50 now. I mean, that can change. Um, you know, there's we haven't seen, you know, we're talking about the, the, the draft. I, I look at in the top 100 picks which is the first three rounds, and then those comp picks after round three, um, you know, the Longhorns could have six, seven guys drafted. Because yeah. if, if Christian Jones has an offseason like yours charting, CJ, then he can be a guy that you look there, you know, day, you know, third round into the fourth as one of those type of players. Jalen Ford, uh, the real, the, the most fascinating guy for me, Rod, is, Jay, is uh, Jonathan Brooks because he was Mel Kuyper's number one running back. Uh, and it's a it's a pretty thin running back class. So yes, you know, if you're sitting there in the second round and you need a running back, Dallas Cowboys and um, you know Houston Texans, some of those kind of teams that are looking for a, a lead back, and you can see you can get a first round talent potentially in Jonathan Brooks, middle of the first of the second round, even in the late second round. You know that's a good value still because Jonathan Brooks is going to get healthy and he's going to be you know a number a a, a, a you're, you're drafting a player. In a, in a second round, third round spot that had a premium grade, if he were healthy, those are the kind of draft picks you want to make when you're building a roster. Well, yeah, I mean, not talking about Jalen Ford, who's another guy that may not go, you know, in the first two rounds potentially just because of the premium position or the lack of a linebacker being a premium position. Um, and premium position may push that linebacker position down a little bit. But I mean, that's a guy we all know is going to be a hell of a player in the NFL. And that's another dude who's going to end up getting drafted. I, I guarantee you somebody's got him much higher on this draft board than he is on everybody's big board because they've watched mm-hmm. the film on Jalen Ford uh, and they understand, you know, this guy's got a really high upside. So, I mean, I'm with you. I don't know if the Longhorns have had a draft this good in a long time with the depth of it. I mean, we've had in those 2000, you had, you know, Texas having guys getting drafted really high um, or like in what 2003 when I was drafted, we had what four guys drafted there, but no, none of them were drafted high. We were drafted kind of in middle rounds. And you go look at it. I don't know if we've had this many guys. You're going to have players drafted in the first round. Looks like Byron Murphy and A.D. Mitchell are going to be those potential first round uh, picks for Texas. And then you're going to have guys in the second. I think you probably go have a Longhorn in the third. You may have a Longhorn in like the first three or four rounds potentially because Tavondre Sweat's getting pushed down to a second rounder. I think Jalen Ford and Jonathan Brooks don't get pushed down just because they don't draft running backs in the first round, so they're not going to draft them. The injury may push them down even more. I just don't remember having the depth of a draft like this for the Longhorns in a long time, just from top to bottom. 
And it's a lot impressive. of these guys were guys they inherited, CJ. A lot of these guys were guys that were part of Tom Herman's recruiting classes that they got to stick and stay and develop. And, uh, you know, the, the, obviously JT Sanders was part of their first recruiting class. And uh, But that was a Tom Herman recruit, if memory serves, originally. Uh, but X-Man and A.D. Mitchell, obviously, through the portal. But uh, it's great development. Uh, it's great, you know, continuing improvement with what you want. I'll read this because, Rod, you mentioned uh, – actually, we'll get to this uh, super chat. NFL do not like players coming in at 23, 25 years old. Listening to Sports Radio earlier, they said uh, trading picks late because of the drop of talent. Yeah, well, well, that's a good point, Rod, and we'll get back to the Longhorns. But something we've talked about here on the Tuesday live stream, it'll be an ongoing conversation. Uh, the the ecosystem of the draft, we talk about ecosystems now, Rod, portal, college football. ecosystem of the draft is changing because, and, and I think the Longhorns are going to have a couple of really good examples. You know, Judd A. Barron and Alfred Collins would have been guys that normally would have been premium fifth, sixth round picks, right? Guys that you can get in that third day that you feel really good about, that you bring in. And gosh, Jason Kelsey was a sixth round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. You're looking for those guys. Uh, but now because of NIL and the ability to get extra COVID years, guys like like Alfred and, and Jade are staying, which mm-hmm. there's already uh, been, you know, alarm bells sounded from the NFL, you know, scouting side that, hey, that fifth, sixth, seventh round, is not going to be as plentiful as it normally is because so many guys came back to college who could have gone early uh, because of NIL opportunities. And you know, guys like Jade and Alfred, want to they don't want to be a fifth-round pick. They want to be a third-round pick, a second-round pick, and they get a chance to come back and perform and improve their draft stock like we've seen Jonathan Brooks do, like A.D. Mitchell did this year, uh, obviously like Christian Jones has done. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're a stock rod. I mean, you're trying to improve and put yourself in the best spot yep. possible. And now you can come back to school to make and you make a little money while you're here. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I think also for the NFL scouts, I think it could also lower the bus rates, right? You, you got more, you got more evaluation, uh, more thorough evaluations. I should say you got more data points. You got more film to study more of a sample size on these guys. Now they're coming back to school and they're in school longer. So yeah, they don't, the NFL doesn't like to invest in older players. By the time you're in your second contract, they like you to be in your prime. So you're, you know, hopefully you're mid to late twenties, somewhere around there when you're approaching your second contract, that's why they love an upperclassman that's trending the right, uh, sorry, a lower uh, uh, underclassman that's trending the right way rather than, you know, the upperclassman. But I will say that, the NFL now, uh, quarterback-wise, and I've heard Bobby talk about this too, and I agree, quarterback-wise, and maybe it's certain other positions too, I think the NFL actually covets players with a little bit more college experience so they can look at the sample size, they can look at the rate of development, the trajectory. Did they regress? Did they, you know, why did they regress? Was it a new offensive coordinator? How'd they handle this? How'd you handle losing your top receiver? How'd you, and then you can actually see how these quarterbacks develop rather than, oh man, it was a one year, was he a one year wonder? I don't know. He had a great year, but how does he respond to adversity? How would he respond in a new system? All those things. And you don't get that thorough sample size. So I think that's part of it. That's going to be really good. I do think you could end up lowering uh, some of the bus rates because scouts may have to say, better overall evaluation in terms of different data points. Uh, but also this is something that's been happening for a while. I think the number of underclassmen that declared for the draft this year is at 54. And I believe at 2018, it was at 106. Yep. So it, it, they, they cut in half. The truth is it's just, it's just way more fun to be a college football player than it used to be. There's never been a better time to be a college football player, period. That's it. That's, that's it in a nutshell. And it used to be, 
everybody was trying to get the hell out of college as fast as they could. Even though college was fun, you wasn't getting no money. All right. In college. All right. And you were you weren't being paid for your reps. Now the guys are being paid for reps and you have the ability to transfer without penalty. So I ain't got to deal with a coach if I want to transfer like in Rod B's day. No, I hit the transfer portal. Coach ain't got to know nothing. I got a lot more freedom. I got a lot more empowerment as a player. I can transfer without penalty multiple times now, by the way, multiple times. So I am a free agent. I can get my market value in the transfer portal with NIL. It's just, guys, it's you can, you can stay in school as long as you want and get your master's degree and start on that if you want to. This is the best era to be a college football player. And maybe it's going to get better and better, but I don't know if it will. I think once the federal government steps in and puts some guardrails on NIL and then we get a a, a body, right, an, an entity that controls all of major college football and we get Nick Saban as a commissioner, I don't know if it'll you'll have this freedom and flexibility these guys right got right now with the extended eligibility and transferring when they want to without penalty. Pretty soon, they're going to put the kibosh on that. So this window right here, guys, this is the sweet spot, the greatest era in the history of college football to be a player. God bless these young men. God bless y'all. Enjoy it. Because even the ones after y'all won't enjoy it like this. Y'all got the COVID eligibility year. You got the transfer portal. Just chaos, all right, without any checks and balances at all. The NCAA is a, well, I mean, they are basically a shell of themselves. They don't even show up anymore. Nobody cares about the NCAA. Best time to be a college football player. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yep. Well said. And I think you're to, to, you know, circle around that whole conversation. Uh, yes, the NFL still wants 20, 21-year-old players, right? JT Sanders and Byron Murphy. Because to Rod's point, uh, when they're 20, 21, when they enter the league, their second contract, they're 25. Uh, you know, so you're if you, you keep them and, and re-sign them, you're getting 10 good years out of a player and you're getting their prime years. Um, and, and they're not worn out in, you know, five or six years of college. Uh, but a guy like Christian Jones needed six years in college to continue yep. to develop and play and uh, work with Kyle Flood. And now he's got a chance. So, you know, there's all different kind of apples that go into the draft. You know, Murphy and, and JT Sanders are, you know, high ceiling players who are only 20, 21 years old when they begin their careers. Some guys will be a little older, but you're right. The NFL does want younger, preferably. Uh, but even reps, they'll take them. I don't because the other part about that for the for the for the, the super chat. You know, even a 22, 23-year-old player now, if he's, as you say, the bust rate is limited, Rod, and you know you're getting a good player, you still have him, especially in those middle rounds, you still have him for – that's your cheap labor in the NFL. Yep. you still got him under control for five years. So yep. if you know they can play, um, you know, you don't have to re-sign him when they hit free agency. You can let him move on. But you get him for five years, and then in, in a league where it's about your star players who make most of the money, and then you got to build a roster of 53 players around that, you know, that's cheap labor. Uh, and if you draft well – so there's, I think there's a there's a marketplace for each of them, and each of the positions. But I don't I think there's any doubt, CJ, that to Rod's point about being a college athlete, we just saw, you know, Isaiah Bond leave Alabama, which is a great school and a great program, to come to to Austin to play with Quinn Ewers to improve his draft stock. Jabbar Muhammad, the corner who was available from Washington, he's going to Washington because he wants to be a number one corner and improve his draft stock. Uh, that's player freedom. Uh, last year we had A.D. Mitchell who wanted to leave the national champions to come exactly. back to Texas to be closer to his kid. <laughs> And improve his draft stock. I mean, the player freedom is certainly there, and I think it's good. I do think it needs guardrails. I'm not silly enough to think it doesn't need some type of structure here, but I'm I've always advocated and argued for player freedom, and um, I, I think it's a good thing where players can play where they're going to be and be, be 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 best and be developed. But there's so many examples of all of what Rod just said. Yeah, it's a it's a fun conversation. It's interesting how it ranges across you know multiple sports. Like you look at the NBA, and you're probably thinking. 
Well, there's too much player freedom. You know, these guys can just hold out and demand to be traded and demand a max contract, whatever the case may be. Well, you know, I, I don't think college football is going to get to that point. But to your point, Aaron, I, I certainly think that there there needs to be some sort of, I would say, limitations to what mm-hmm. kids can do in the terms of, you know, whether it be transferring, NIL, whatever it is. You know, the, just just make sure that it doesn't become as lawless as, you know, many theorized it potentially could be. And I, I think that so far it's, it's not been crazy. You look at some of those big NIL deals that have gone out to, to five-star quarterbacks and think, well, you know, th- these are some of the red flags that we need to be a little bit wary of. But to the point of getting, you know, these kids on campus right now and, and really giving them an, an opportunity to play as long as they can to produce the film and tape that they need to go play in the NFL, I think that has been – uh, you know, a, a benefit to the kids more so than anything. And, uh, you know, COVID obviously sucked, but in, in the instances in, in which these kids are using that extra COVID year of eligibility, that's only helping them, you know, achieve their dream of making it to the NFL or providing, you know, a, a suitable lifestyle at home for which they're earning through NIL. So a lot going on right there, but it, it I, I do agree with you, Rod, that this is the best time to be a, a college athlete. You know, this, yeah. well, this and, is... and, and it's not perfect. There's no doubt. I'm 100 percent agreement with Nick Saban that, you know, we commit to you. There needs to be a commitment from the player, too. There really does. Uh, but I've always said, I mean, how did we get here? We got here because the NCAA and college football as an industry was unwilling to be flexible and to change uh, incrementally uh, to these things. And coaches would hold players, you know, to you know, two year penalties and not let them sign their transfer waivers and lock them into a place, even though they had family issues or you know, coaches were just dicks. Let's be honest. They were asses with this situation and the yep. players you know, were kind of stuck, uh, which I thought was unfair. And same time, the NIL, this was all forced on them by losing court battle after court battle after court battle. And then state governments had to get involved. And uh, it's why we're here, but we all would agree that there needs to be, I'm with Rod, Nick Saban is the commissioner or czar of college football at some point. That would be great. Uh, we need it. But uh, uh, right now it is, it's, it is what it is. And we talk about it every Tuesday and we talk about it every morning. You and I, Rod, uh, fascinating mm-hmm. to follow. And as we see, TV ratings for college and pro football have never been greater. I mean, fans still are flocking yeah. to these games, whether in person or, or watching them or following us on On Texas Football, which is a good thing. And we'll follow it as it evolves and changes uh, for sure as we get this thing going. But a lot to cover. Senior Bowl this week. I know you guys will have coffee and football tomorrow, CJ. You'll be covering the uh, the recruiting landscape. We'll be one week to the second signing window. So obviously, if anything evolves and develops there, we'll We'll jump on it, and uh, CJ will have that tomorrow morning with Bobby and the crew. Rod and I will be on the on hornfm.com, obviously, uh, getting this thing going. Any final parting thoughts, guys, as we wrap this thing up on a Tuesday night brought to you by Texas Electricity Ratings? Uh, no, not at all, really. Just uh, I'm excited, actually, about the pre-draft process for these guys. Uh, we haven't had this many this many Longhorns uh, as draftable prospects in, I can't remember, not since I've been covering Texas football, I'll say that. Uh, I had to go back to before my time covering, which was maybe 05 and, you know, back 04, that kind of thing. So uh, I think that's actually been a really exciting time for Texas Longhorn fans. Well, I'll do some work. Right on that. I covered it long enough to, to see when, you know, Leonard Davis was the second pick in the draft and, you know, Derek Johnson was coming out. I mean, we've seen it. Uh, and I think it's going to keep getting better for Texas. But, yeah, they could have as many as eight players drafted here coming up uh, in April, uh, last weekend of April. CJ? No, I'm right there with you. I mean, it's exciting to turn on Senior Bowl and, you know, even the East-West Shrine game and say, you know what, like there's a number of uh, Longhorn helmets out there. That It's yeah. not been that case. And I know there's even guys that are sitting out, but in every mock draft, it's like, oh, they've got 
you know, mm-hmm. Xavier Worthy five spots higher than before, or, you know, someone's moving up the board. Christian Jones tomorrow will probably come out as one of the biggest risers from day one in, uh, in Mobile, Alabama. So yep. it's exciting. And I think this is a sign of a healthy program that we're not sitting around talking about, you know, how, how much depth Texas lost and, and it's going to be a, a down year. You know, we're looking at a roster that is still very healthy. So I'm, it's exciting time. No question. And that's why the On Texas Football Channel is blowing up and uh, so popular. We appreciate you wherever you're watching tonight. And certainly if you're in the state of Texas and uh, you're shopping for electricity in the deregulated areas of the Lone Star State, TexasElectricityRatings.com is the best place to find great electricity plans for your household. For starters, it filters out the dangerous and gimmicky plans from providers that are all hat, no cattle when it comes to your monthly bill. You can also shop by rate. Also, an average bill can feature, you can find an average bill to feature exactly what it takes into account general uh, seasonal usage, and get you a real number, not some placeholder number. So if you're looking for a new electricity plan, check out TexasElectricityRatings.com slash OTF on Texas football for the best options available. That's TexasElectricityRatings.com slash OTF, bringing us the Tuesday live stream tonight. Guys, have a great night, and uh, we'll, we'll, you guys will follow up with coffee and football at 8 a.m. Thank you, Matt. Hook em. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.